All right, welcome to Untrumped, first edition. I'm Doug Paget, and this is Adam Schindler. Adam, thank you for being part of this experiment with me. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for those who don't know, uh, about a month ago, I asked around on Facebook if there were people who knew of a friend of theirs, a coworker, a pastor, or someone who I could enter, enter into a conversation with for a number of weeks that would help me to understand how someone else who also holds a Christian faith that I hold, takes it seriously, is a serious person in the world, thinks about their faith and thinks about the world that we live in, wants to live a generous Christian life in the world, how that person could also be a supporter of Donald Trump. And here's the little confession. Uh, I had to seek the wisdom of the internet and references of friends to find people who I felt comfortable entering into this conversation with, not because I don't know pastors or because I don't know friends, um, but because over the last year, the number of people that I've entered into conversation with about this issue has never helped me to get to the point where I feel like I can fully comprehend how it is that a person of sincere Christian faith could be a supporter of Donald Trump. I've heard lots of reasons about people's political arguments. I've heard reasons that people are just bought into a political party or want to see the end of the government as they think that it normally is. But I haven't heard people make an argument from their, from their faith, from their, from their convictions of their, of their beliefs. And it seems so antithetical to me uh, that uh, I was having a hard time comprehending. So I wanted to ask around on the internet, and fortunately through a mutual friend named Chris Estes, uh, Adam and I were able to meet, and we've talked a few times about this project, talking Thursday nights at this time for seven weeks so that I can try to understand. And my goal here is to try to understand you, Adam, in a way that you would feel comfortable saying, you know what, my friend Doug can explain how I think about things. Not that I would agree with it, not that I would uh, would um, hold your opinions. I don't think this is a project where I'm trying to be convinced or you're trying to convince me to hold your views or you to hold mine. But this is a project endeavoring to try to reach that significant place of comprehension and understanding where I could in good conscience be able to explain to people what you would think as a faithful Christian person and a supporter of Donald Trump. So that's the project over these next seven weeks in 45 minute installments. We are going to engage with one another in a project of uh, trying to understand each other, but really me being tutored on how in the world. So Adam, I just want to launch right in. Uh, you can give us your biography. It's significant. I, I, your, your faith is solid. Your convictions as a conservative, Christ, uh, conservative uh, poli- uh, political supporter are there. Um, uh, so if you want to say a few things about that, I'd love for people to know what I know about you, at least in part. And then I just want to ask you, how in the world can you support Donald Trump as uh, a person who holds the deep, uh, true faith that you hold? Okay, well, I'll start with the easy one and talk about myself. Great. And then we'll do the hard one and talk about the Donald. Um, <laughs> I'm excited I get to I get to tutor the famous Doug Paget. Um, I'm excited about that. I mean, one of, one of the things that I've noticed um, in the last... 18 months. Uh, I worked on the Trump campaign during the nomination season. So the organization that I worked for uh, had the Trump account for a number of years. And we we did Donald Trump's websites for a number of his businesses. Uh, And then um, we carried alongside of him during the nomination process. And then ultimately, my boss went on to be the national digital director for his Trump campaign. Um, I didn't work on that 
national campaign. But in the early days, it was just a couple of people working on some things uh, with the team, and I was one of them. And Boy, those feel like know, the good old days when it was just a couple yeah. of guys, nobody taking it seriously. Man. Well, we took it serious. I mean, we, we never, we never thought one. it was a joke. Um, okay, well, I want to talk about that maybe in episode two. Yeah, but... But, you know, one of the things that I've seen, and I mean, for a number of months, I was real quiet about it. You know, of course, we're in the middle of everything. And um, but I watched a lot of things start to happening. And and politics aside, the outcome mm-hmm. of this election, I think, was really interesting to me because it exposed a divide in America that has been there. But I think more so than in my recent memory in you know the years I've been around and thinking in this capacity is that people just refused or were incapable mm-hmm. of understanding. Yes, yes. And what they wanted to do was just agree. And if you, if you didn't agree or if, you know, you got you to disavow the KKK. And because you don't say, I disavow, there's a huge firestorm. And aside from the political components to that, yeah. like it highlights a point yes. that unless you disavow and disagree or agree with someone, then we'll tar and feather you, we'll pin you up, stick you on a wall inside of our boxes that we know who you are because of what you say you agree or don't agree. And I think that that, in as much mm-hmm. as policy and politics is a problem, I think that is a core problem yeah. in America. And why I was really excited to, to, uh, to hear about you and what you were doing, because I think that regardless of how we come to agree or disagree, I think the activity of engaging in conversation and understanding yeah. uh, you, like I'll admit, I, I don't know a whole lot of left leaning thinkers. I don't know a whole lot, whole lot of progressives. I got, you know, a busy job and I don't, I don't want to engage. You're not waste your time with, you're not going to waste it. Yeah. Right. Okay. You know? So um, you uh, are also have studied comparative religions. You take your own faith seriously. You've yeah. um, you you were raised up in in the Christian faith, um, and, and it's a significant part of your life. And the, it is. And one of the things I want to ask you, be, and this is not only for me personally, but for a number of friends of mine, they feel this same pressure. They feel like the evangelical Christians or people with a true Christian passion and commitment from other from other uh, traditions who for decades have been arguing that the Christian responsibility is to be sure that a certain kind of person who demonstrates whether or not they hold to faith, they they demonstrate the fruit of a faithful life, the fruit of the Spirit of God in their life, that those are the people that you vote for. This ramped up so yeah. high in the 1990s, there was all the conversation about, well, Bill Clinton might say that he's Christian, he might say that he's doing good things for people, but personal, personal morality, the person himself matters. And so many people that I know feel like evangelical Christians who support Trump have turned their back on that. And I have sat with people in their mid-30s who cannot understand their parents who, you know, 15 years ago when they were teenagers saying, uh, your faith has to be what guides you, not your commitment to culture, not your commitment to the Constitution. Your faith has to be that which guides you. And that was a big deal for people. 
And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden it feels like that got turned around. And now people yeah. are saying, well, as long as it's a Supreme Court justice, as long as he upholds the Second Amendment, uh, then we're going to do our, our good duty to, to be supportive. So can you talk me through how someone like you, who I know is taking your faith seriously, and I'm guessing hel- has held that view in the past, uh, felt yeah. like those requirements were not there when it comes to your support uh, of voting for Donald Trump and your continued support of him? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, there, I think, I think the analysis that, that the evangelicals just all of a sudden turned their back on that uh, is not accurate. Uh-huh. They certainly voted in a particular way, but it was a, if you recall, the Republican field was packed with a bunch of good, solid Bible believing, Bible principled conservative evangelicals. I mean, like they all, they all crawled out of the woodwork to throw in their hat this year. And, and there wasn't a lot of evangelical support for the man right. um, for a long time. So, so what so happened? Talking, what, what, what changed from like April or March to, uh, to June when they all jumped on board? Um, well, the, the June event in New York was a significant one. Um, it was put on by Huckabee and um, uh, others where they wanted 200 people to come and they ended up getting about 1,000. And they really encouraged these evangelical leaders to look at Trump and then also specifically to look at his opponent, Hillary and say, all right, these are our choices. These aren't our best two, but this is where we are. And, you know, uh, Barna put out a pretty good book a couple months ago that chronicles that event. Uh, I think it's worth, it's called the day the Christians changed America. I think it's worth a look if you're interested in that. But for me personally, I, I've always had a little bit of an, uh, of an issue with the way that we've said, you know, let's just vote our biblical principles Let's vote the Bible when we go to the polling, uh, the polling station, because I think that leadership is more than just a set of principles. Okay. And I think that a lot of starting to sound like a liberal now. Yeah. Yeah. Don't put that on me. (laughs) That's right. I'm going to be a good charismatic and I'm going to say, I don't receive that. That's right. Yeah. Um, You know, but I, I think that um, my connection to God is not based on principles. Now, I have read the scriptures. I'd studied uh, Eastern religion, Christianity, Judaism, all the world's major religions, and I found that, that the Bible is by far the, the most reliable source for an encounter with God. But my life is not based on a, on a set of principles and concepts that I believe that I have a direct experience and encounter with God. Like, I hear Him. I understand His heart. It's not, it's not a set of rules or principles that I don't have to check with God before I just vote for the Republican or the one that supports abortion or is anti this. Um, And so for me personally, it wasn't like I was throwing up a bunch of principles, throwing them out of the way because I got my own political expediency with a Supreme court justice. Yeah. Um, My, it was, it was there anything. And I appreciate that point that you're someone who, who doesn't want to reduce the, your faith or the Bible down to a set of principles and then see whose policies match your principles. Was there, was there a conflict within you about the role that the presidency plays in the country and the way that it voices um, a, a sense of power and position to see the way Donald Trump lived his life and interacted with people and the, the, the way that to someone like me feels like such uh, animist and cruelty that he has to those who don't agree with him. 
was there any point where it just seemed so off-putting to your sense of, I'm going to use this, this phrase I think I ever found myself to use, your sense of Christian decency, that there was something where you just thought, oh, come on, this, this, is ju- this just does not rise to the level of the person that I want to personally and publicly say, I'm on your team, I'm supportive of you, yeah, you're the, you're the person that I want, around any topic, let alone being the president, but most certainly around being the president. Were you ever struck with that? And can you talk me through what you did to, uh, if you were struck with that concern about how you, how you rectified it? Yeah, I mean, there were plenty of instances when he was talking or some things would come out. Um, I think probably the low point was those tapes that came out in August, September, um, right before the election, of his comments um, 10 years ago. Uh, but yes, there were many times that I thought, you know, is this, is this a bad decision? Hmm. Um, because he wasn't polished. He was beyond just unpolished. Um, he, was, he was aggressive and in some instances nasty um, towards his opponents. Uh, I don't necessarily think the characterization of him uh-huh. is accurate to say that he's, that he's just downright mean to anyone that doesn't agree with him. Uh, I watched him attack people that attacked him. Um, and in a fight, in a fight, um, I think that that is a significant, a significant quality. Um, and so some of his tax, his tactics were off putting to me, but I appreciated the fact that he was aggressive and that he stood up against those that were coming after him. Um, he got attacked personally, he got attacked politically some of it was justified. Some of it, I think, was just vicious from the other side. So um, I never had this faith crisis moment where I thought, can I really be a Christian and support a man that acts like this? Mm. Um, because those things just didn't strike you as a requirement that a presidential candidate should be held to, or because those didn't well, seem to yeah. be all that off-putting of... of ways of behaving it was certainly off-putting and we could you know talk specifics on that but in philosophy we have this term about necessary and sufficient conditions yeah. and a lot of times we get those things confused um you know that there were plenty of things that that i thought were necessary inside of a president that i didn't see him having but but they they didn't disqualify him because there were some other things that completed the sufficiency mm-hmm. um within him that like, like what? Like what, 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 what comes to mind? You don't have to give me the full list. I'm trying to, you know, checkbox your list. My, my, yeah, my biggest thing was my uh, appreciation for the fact that, that he was not just friendly, but I believe genuinely supportive of what I considered a mainstream Christian expression. Um, I believe that Christian liberty was quite a bit under attack inside of the U.S. by the previous eight years of of presidential administrations and that things I'd heard Hillary talk about were very concerning to me as a pastor and as a leader inside the church, that, that those sorts of liberties that, that the church has enjoyed since its foundation inside of America would be threatened. Um, I believe he was strong on that for Christian liberty. Uh, I think that he had a, uh, a valuable and aggressive stance on foreign policy, even though he didn't know a whole lot about it. Um, which, you know, maybe another week uh, conversation. Um, yeah, yeah, we should do that. The whole, the whole question about the, the war and violence. And it's, it's curious to me how many Christians uh, hold to foreign policy positions of military aggression 
uh, and don't find a conflict in that. All right. So, I mean, that that starts to get into a, uh, something more than just being trumped or untrumped. Uh, but that's a curious qu- that that like that right there is something that I have a hard time um, connecting the Christian liberty argument. And this I appreciate your help on this, that he was supportive of a particular way of the government interacting with its citizens when it comes to religion. And then a position that he, I think, held and what I think you're getting at in his foreign policy, which was an aggressive stance toward other countries and the military use of force in uh, countries of Islamic populations, starts to feel to me like it's he's going to protect us and we're going to go to war or aggression against those who are different from us. That is, it's, that's the thing that I think a lot of us have a hard time in the Christian space kind of rectifying, right? Is w- w- those two things being not, uh, not, not being in conflict with each other feel like they're the kinds of things that in the Jesus narrative people would find in conflict with each other, right? The live by a sword, die by the sword uh, uh, edict and the be... And I'm not suggesting that the teachings of Jesus need to become our foreign policy, but I do think that the teachings of Jesus are wise and that more violence produces more violence, and the best way to overcome violence is to overcome it with good. So that a Christian person would say our Christian liberties are protected, and he's going to have a more aggressive stance to the Muslim world than the previous president. Now, I didn't have. say that. that. That's your perception. It what is. I said, it but... is. And so I want to check that with you because maybe the foreign yeah. policy stance you were talking about was our interaction with Finland or with. Can Sh- I tell you? Yeah, please. Yeah, it'd be easier than just guessing. Yeah, because um, there's not there's not, not many people I'm thinking that uh, our foreign policy was at the forefront of Donald Trump's campaign. So that would be very helpful. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing was that I believe that there has been a systematic approach over the last eight years and even longer than that, but very clearly in the last eight years with President Obama to 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 weaken America's strength and value overseas. Mm-hmm. So the first year, the first couple of months of Obama's presidency, he went on an apology tour throughout Egypt and Turkey and Saudi Arabia and the Islamic countries, which I'm grateful that he went and re- reached out to them. And there's high hopes for that. But it was an apology for what he considered to be American aggression. And um, I thought that was very unpresidential. And I don't think that I was excited that I thought Trump was going to attack Muslims or ban Muslims from coming into America. I thought that the projection of strength, um, not just militarily, but economically and in partnership with other nations, where we don't just give away um, American sovereignty and pretend and apologize for the way that we've done things. I appreciated that about him. Um, And there's a lot inside of that, that when you get into conversation about wars and just war theory and all that, those are difficult conversations to have. Um, Yeah, they, they, they can become difficult. They don't have to be difficult, <laughs> I guess, is what would be my point. I mean, I think there are some choices that someone can make that we may not like the choices. Um, but so and, and this is something I, I, I do, uh, that I think is worth a conversation over these weeks. When Donald Trump holds to conservative philosophies and theories about economics, about foreign policy, about the role of the government, that doesn't feel particularly Trumpish. Right. So no, he's not a so, conservative. So, yeah. So we 
in, in one point, you know, we could sit here and have a conversation about the bigger issues of conservatism versus non-conservatism and views of the world and all that. What's perplexing to so many people is that conservative Christians had to set what feels like to me had to set aside on both cases. Like you just said, he's not a conservative. I don't even know if he would consider himself a Republican other than by domination. He's sort of the Bernie Sanders of the Republican side, right? He's seeking, you don't like Bernie? He was seeking, well, he's not a Democrat, right? I mean, he says that. He, he, he's an independent who seeks the, the endorsement. I think Trump is that way. He's, in a, he's a, yeah. a, a nonpartisan uh, who was seeking the Republican nomination. So conservatives had to, conservative Christians had to set aside conservatism. And they had to, seeming to me, had to set aside some Christian convictions and beliefs and and callings. And so, on what possible basis then did these Christian these uh, Christian conservatives or conservative Christians say he's our guy? I, I yeah. find it to be like this feels like it would have been the election in which those those people would have felt profoundly disappointed and sat out, but they didn't. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you strike me, Adam, as the guy that, in my framework, before November 8th, uh, 2016, the dark day, I, I would have said... Let's pray. The, hey, thank you. The, the guy like, a guy like Adam, he's the sort of person who will sit this election out. He just will... He can't plug his nose and vote. He'll go third party or he'll write someone in. But that's not what happened. And that's the part I don't get. Um, no. Somehow he... he he checked your bona fides uh, on being Christian kind enough, like kind to Christians enough and conservative enough. And that's what I don't get. It, so is there something else driving yeah. all of this? Because it, yeah. uh, the, the, the math doesn't work. And uh, so this doesn't feel like it's just that math. Is, is there something else that uh, I'm not, I'm not seeing here? Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, it was a hard year for everyone, um, you know, and there's no mistake in that. But for me, the biggest thing was when I began to get involved um, in the campaign from a work perspective, it wasn't, I mean, when I started doing the work, I was doing the work because it was my job, yeah. you know, and I was there and I wanted to support. Uh, but there's a bigger backstory to why I was even at my job, the things that I had been hearing and experiencing for three, four, ten years that led me to that position hmm. at that time to do, I think, part of what I ended up doing. Um, and I think that that is a larger faith story inside of the conservative evangelical realm. It was the realm and the, the importance of the prophetic of the stream in Christianity that, that mm. hears what they believe is revelation from God and test that against the character and the nature of God as they understand them and as God is revealed in the scriptures, mm -hmm. and then submits that for the larger body to listen and hear a la 1 Corinthians 14 style yeah. um, nice. stuff. And I live inside of that flow, and I've been operating in that sort of connection to God for the last 12 years. Mm. And... What, it, what happened to me was that for years, I was hearing things and writing them down, and I began to see them come to pass. And I got into a situation where now I'm sitting in an environment, and I'm looking around editing videos for a presidential candidate that everyone thinks is a joke. And I'm sitting in this office behind me at this desk, editing videos at 2 in the morning, um, and 
I am having an experience of feeling God's pleasure and feeling his presence um, and hearing things about what he's doing in the nation. So, so you, you had an experience where from the things you were seeing and hearing from Donald Trump started to feel and sound to you like those match the... No. Okay, help me. No. I was hearing... Not the stuff that I was that I was editing. I mean, it's it's third or fourth grade language, you know. I'm like pretend that I'm an intellectual so and I love better language and better messaging than that. Um, it wasn't the videos or the messages. It was my experience and my connection to God, and I began to feel and hear mm. and experience things from God that I believe was directional things for my life and. I felt like he started revealing his heart for what he wanted to do in this country. Um, and I felt over a period of weeks, uh, they got confirmed through multiple different sources for people outside of our nation, people inside of our nation, those I knew, those that I didn't, that I felt like God's hand was on Donald Trump um, as a leader in America. Yeah, I've and heard, I I've heard that from people. That. It's just baffling to me. So thank you for, for being willing to share this, because that's something I have heard people say. They get cautious about it when they're around other religious people who think differently, you know, because they don't want to make it seem like somehow they think uh, he's some savior, you know, because that gets, that gets teased out and made fun of a lot on the, on the internet. Uh, yep. But that thing you described there, I have heard, and that's been the point where I've just said, like, okay, that that is... Um, that is totally unbelievable to me. Like that, that is unfathomable yeah. to me. That, that is uncomprehensible to me. Like, how can that be? Because everything I'm seeing is like, like it has motivated my Christian life and my desire to be public to present a con, a, 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 the contrary to that. I'm just, I mean, it has motivated all of my spirituality to want to say, we have to do something more to help people see a message of of the goodness of God uh, than than what we're seeing right now, and we can't trust the the our current system of government to be on the side of people. I mean, it just feels so opposite Friday to me about that. Um, it, uh, and maybe that's what it is in in I don't know prophetic traditions is that I don't have eyes to see or ears to hear or something. I'm not sure, but it is. Um, I, I, I think there's certainly some in prophetic circles that have taken that as a cheap way out. Like if you don't agree with me that I hear from God, then you don't hear from God. Because mm -hmm. if we all heard from God, we'd all hear the same thing. Because we assume that God thinks like us, that God needs to be in agreement with it, with everything yeah, that's sure. going on for it to be right. Um, and we are right now uh, beginning a season or festival, a Jewish festival called Sukkot. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a rhythm and season that is a great festival. And one of the primary things inside of that festival is that they take these four primary components, um, willow branches and etrog and citron, the lulig stuff. But the, the ancient Hebrew pictures of that, when you take all four of those things together, they represent four different kinds of people, people that don't study and don't do deeds, people that do study and do do deeds, people that study and don't do deeds. And those yeah. that don't study and do deeds. Right. Yeah. And the point of that, at, in John chapter 7, when they're all holding the palm fronds, crying out for living water to come through, and that's when Jesus announces that he is the living water. In Jewish tradition, the point of that is that, look, in order to be a nation, we need all four of those people working together. 
and yeah. all kinds of people inside of the Christian body. And so I don't think for one moment that because I heard one particular thing and you're sure. working to do the opposite, that we both didn't hear God and that we're incompatible in our religious faith. Sure, yes. I think, right. I think God's got something bigger going on there. Yeah, um, I, and, and, and I would love to understand why your Christian faith is totally incongruent with Donald Trump as much as you want to know why my faith and why I thought that God said, <laughs> my hand is yeah, on this right. man to lead our nation. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, well, partly because that freaks me out, that notion that there's some kind of a theocracy at play, uh, a representative theocracy at play. That's, How is it a theocracy? Well, well, the idea that the hand of, that the hand of God has selected someone particularly to do the bidding of God in leading this country. It's, I mean, you gotta be careful. I think one has to be careful about saying, Hey, you know, God is with all people. Cause as a person who follows in the Jesus faith, I'm proud to, to, to match Jesus and saying such thing. And, I, and I'm totally there that every role that someone plays can be, uh, the place where God is leading and guiding. But the idea that there's the hand of God on one as opposed to another um, to be in a particular political job and role, I think that's, I think that crosses into a line of a, just an, a, a way the cosmos works uh, and a way of God so in, the cos, in the cosmos that, that I, I don't think really matches um, because I, uh, if, uh, because I guess what I'm wondering if what you're saying is that that hand was not on uh, Barack Obama and was not on George Bush or was not on Bill Clinton or was not on Reagan or Bush. Yeah, you see, see what I'm saying? So it, it feels like yeah, well, if we all are... you're saying is every time someone wins the presidency by the popular vote and or the Electoral College, we say the hand of God was on them. Well, then it doesn't seem like it carries a whole lot of particular weight in and of itself, that that. That, yeah. that claim. And I, I'm not making any of those claims. I'm talking specifically about this guy right now. Oh, and I think okay. one of the points that you raised, uh, wow, you know, I mean, you pastor and lead a church, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like God's hand is on your life for that position? Do you feel like you could just walk off and hand it to the next person that comes in the door and they could lead the church just well, like you? Boy, now that sounds like a good day right there. You know, that could happen on like a Saturday and not a person. Monday and just give me one, one less. No, I, I, I get it. No, yes. I, I, no, I, but I do feel that way. I do feel that the hand of God is on everyone evenly and equally. I think the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike and the love of God is yeah, on the all mercy, of them. So right? all of that I think is, is equal. I, I don't, I don't think God plays favorites. I think God stopped, reminded us that God doesn't show favoritism. Uh, through, yeah. Through and I think that you're conflating a couple of concepts and a couple of ways of God operating on the earth there to say that he, you know, he reigns on the just and the unjust. That's his mercy that he gives to people because it's of who love. he is, not because of who we are. No, I, I, right? I think, I think it's actually just the love of God that's on them, not the mercy of God. So, um, but yes, I, I, so I think, I think, I think God's an equal opportunity lover. And I don't think that the way we've decided to organize our federal government is of particular interest to, to God that makes the, the picking of a United States president, a unique action that God's going to be called to, but that's so he's helpful. just going to set this up and just kind of let us make a mess of it without any help. No, I, I mean, I if he doesn't know. really care about uh, American government, then we can just kind of do whatever we want, sort of deist style. No, I, I think, no, I, no, no, no. I think God's uh, f- 
far different than that. Uh, I think God's fully engaged in all things and affected by and affecting all things. I think there is no space place where there's not the power and the effect in the life of God. But what I'm saying is that that particular role less is has no more of the hand of God on it than the commerce secretary or the 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 person that works in the White House or the the, the person who's a school teacher. I think they, I think that's equal. So, but it's helpful for me to hear that some of the people who and you might be in this in this group who are supportive of Donald Trump could overcome the all the, that looks so obviously out of step with perhaps what your own arguments would have been about uh, presidential candidates in the past being Christian or conservative or, uh, or or not quite right in their in their expression that that can be that that's overcoming great part because there's a sense that this is the right person and for you the right person has a, a prophetic uh, narrative of the hand of God particularly selecting uh, I think a lot of people get that because some of us you know I that was part of the reason I select I was supportive of Hillary Clinton I'll tell you she wasn't the perfect candidate in my in my book at all there's a number of things I disagree with but I just thought she's the right person and I could well another one of these conversations I'll be glad to articulate why I think that was what I'm hearing you say and this is what's helpful for me is I'm hearing you say there's something that felt like it was in the spiritual realms that seemed special going on here. Is that is that a fair way to say it? Like if I were to say, hey, I talked to Adam the other night and, and he said this and I, I said what I just said to you, would that feel like it captures what you're saying? There's something special going on and that the hand of God was somehow involved in this person and it kind of blows my mind, but that's it. Yeah, I do. I do. And it, and it's not so much about the fact that, you know, he talked pretty and, you know, was nice to everyone. Um, you know, that God, that I felt like God was doing that. And, and I'm aware of the difficulties, like, believe me, I, I haven't just come into this stance sort of from a conceptual spot. I mean, I grew up philosophical and rational and it was a hard fought war when I began to encounter the things of God in this hmm. area and began to hear him and act and see what what people call miraculous begin to happen and hear things in advance. Like all that stuff was a very long and difficult trans transition for me. Hmm. Um, but it's a cornerstone of what I began to see. Uh, and that, cause that's the answer to your question. Like how could you just give up your yeah. conservative sure. and evangelical principles to agree or support this guy? Yeah. That was a, that was a, that was a cornerstone of that decision. Yeah. Um, well, and please don't hear that by saying that because I made that decision, I think everything that he said and that he does is something God wants to happen on the earth. Um, I do not hold that position. I don't believe that thinking God's hand on someone's life is equivalent yeah. to God approving of everything yeah. they do. He's, he's, he's kind of knocking the hand off. He's got the, the, the Melania Trump thing going where he's, you know, when she knocked his hand away, he's sort of, uh, uh, he's, uh, sort of doing that to the hand of God, huh? that he's, um, that in those moments, um, he's not, well, he, okay. So for people who don't know the Bible very well, uh, here's what's going through my mind. There's this story where Christianity's in its early days, and it's still bound up inside of a Jewish tradition. And the book of Acts has Peter, the famous one who's with Jesus, uh, has a vision, and that vision uh, strikes him in such a way that he believes he's supposed to go into the home of uh, a Roman leader, Roman uh, military person who's a Gentile, and 
Peter goes in and says, I'm not supposed to be here. This violates our religious customs and teachings, but the spirit of God the, the, said, I'm supposed to come here in this vision. And so what do you have for me? And at the end, Peter says, well, I now see, you know, that God doesn't show favoritism. And I'm now, I recognize that the old things that I thought were the boundaries are now the, the things that I need to set aside and welcome non-Jewish people as Gentiles into the faith. It's a really big deal. It's a center point of the Christian narrative. What I'm hearing yeah. you say is that Donald Trump's rise starts to feel something like that. In other words, you had these other conditions in place, but you see the Spirit of God is moving, and we have to go with that and not with these old strictures that we thought had served us so well in the past. I think that that's a pretty good analogy and a connection to that. I think that there is definitely something wow. to be learned from that. Uh, one of the things that I immediately think of is that Peter had the vision. He saw, he heard a name, yeah. he saw a place, and he knew where to go. Now, when he went, he found the place and met the guy that had the name. Um, and so it wasn't just that he had this idea, and then he saw confirmation of what he heard that built faith and confidence in what he heard. Sure. And what I'm saying is that the things that were being spoken and the people that tuned in, in this capacity like, in, like, the, in the, like in what, that, like what things are you thinking about now that were spoken that you were like, Oh, that's, that fits the, the vision that fits the experience that I was having. What, what, what are you thinking? What, what's there's, there were a number of, um, prophetic words that started coming out, uh, almost a year prior to the election about Donald Trump when everyone thought he was a joke. Mm -hmm. One gal uh, from Australia took a pretty serious beating when she began to share a vision that she had, that she saw the word Trump over the U.S. and it turned to triumph. And she began to talk about how she felt like God told her, an Australian that wasn't connected to American politics And she should have mind, she should have just know? been minding her own business. Those Aussies. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, until, well, I'll leave that alone. Uh, that, that was one, okay. and she had a number of other ones. And um, she's someone you Kim knew Pomelo. or you heard about her or something? Yeah, I mean, she was published in um, some uh, oh, like magazine, magazine okay. that went around in some of the circles, and then there was a you know, tremendous amount of things that you know, happened after that. But there was another guy, Kim Clement, who years ago had um, prophesied that uh, Donald Trump named him by name would be raised up uh, as a president in the U.S., um, and a number of other guys, Lance Wallnow put out some things. Um, he's an interesting, interesting character. Uh, but some of the stuff that he put out, um, that he felt like God said about Trump early. And we began to see how some of that began to make sense. And it began to give a grid for some of what God was doing inside of a biblical framework. Um, hmm. And I could get, I can, you know, I could get a bit more specific, but there's well, no, that's that's all, that gives me a flavor for the kinds for the kinds of things that you're saying. So, so there was a community of people who started to share stories and tell about this that started to feel to them like, okay, there's a there's a kind of spiritual thing going on here. Huh, that's because I'll tell you, I, I I feel the same thing. I feel like yeah, there's a serious spiritual thing going on here, and um, and uh, I don't 
do the charismatic tradition. Uh, I'm not from it, uh, but I've been around people who are in it, so I don't do it as well as other people do. But I'll tell you, it, if I was using that language, I'd be like, yeah, this is a season of deception. This is going to be a season of repentance. This is a season where the righteous people thought they were doing the right thing by turning their backs on Jesus at the end of his life and you know brought about his execution like this is the kind of thing that Christians will gather together in large acts of apology yeah. and trying to figure out how in the world did we get sucked down this this path which frankly and I don't just mean Donald Trump I mean like the the, the full buy-in to the to the conservative Republican, um, uh, driving force. Um, can, can I ask you this one? We're, we're only going to go a few more minutes tonight. We'll pick up again next week. But how much did particular topics... So this has been very helpful for me to see that, okay, there was some spirit thing in the in the vibe and in the move. But how much are particular topics? Because most people that I talk to who are trying to explain their family members or friends say they all simply bring up abortion. And... That was it. They will vote for the candidate they believe is publicly against abortion, and that's it, that that's what it was. Was that your experience or the people you were around? Does that seem to ring true? Or would I, if I were to say, you know, these uh, people like Adam and others, they're single-issue voters, and if they get a spiritual confirmation, they're going to be all in. But it's really got to start with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry you have so many monodimensional friends. Um, you know, there's, <laughs> there, is a, there is a robust community of thinkers uh, that, that aren't leftist or progressive that, that, that do talk. I mean, there, there's a whole massive group, somewhere upwards of 50 million people that have been categorized by large national polling organizations as sage cons, spiritually active, governmentally engaged conservatives. And these are college-educated, upper-middle-class yeah older people that that are not one issue voters that can that are not binary thinkers I but they didn't vote them. but they didn't vote for trump in in mass right they had to sit it they out did. they're the yes. kinds of people they that did. had they did go get go get barner's book he articulates that um it's a fascinating story 50 million of them overwhelmingly in the numbers of like 86 percent, 93 percent in some of the polls for issues it lays that stuff out and you know, I'm not a single issue voter. I do care about abortion. I do care about the Supreme Court. I've got some problems with the culture war that's going on. I think that we need a stronger relationship with Israel. I didn't like the way that Obama had dealt with Israel, making Netanyahu come in through a servant's door and not showing up at his, his groundbreaking speech in front of Congress. You know, there were a lot of things he was that... In, he was that, invited by Boehner. Boehner could have brought him in. That's why that was. You know, that's why that was. They were, it was brinksmanship. But There's anyway, a lot of things that, that I appreciated about Trump and, yes. you know, a lot of things that I didn't. So, but, but, you would have, but you would have appreciated those things about uh, all the candidates. I mean, Kasich would have said that. Um, uh, other reasonable uh, possible candidates would have, would have satisfied. None of them were able to beat Hillary. And that was a big part of it. I don't think if the Republicans put anyone else up that there would have been that kind of outcome. It's yeah. Okay. So that's, that's really helpful. I, I would love to pick that up also in a couple of weeks. How much of this is really driven by the total commitment of religious, of a set of religious evangelicals, conservative religious evangelicals who were really opposed to Hillary Clinton 
almost without consideration of who the opponent was. It would not have mattered who her opposition was. They were for that person. Um, yeah, I think that there's definitely um, a big it, chunk of that. Was, was that true for you? Was it was uh, because look, I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it, all, all of us are driven by a lot of things when it came to vote. Was that true for you? Would it be fair when I say, "Hey, I talked to Adam last night," and, and you know, he's yes, I, I, I was against Hillary very strongly, against the Clinton machine, against what they had stood for for the last forty years, and I think that's probably a little embarrassing that a rank amateur beat her um, with no help from the media. Uh, and I think that that's worth a conversation. Oh, that is worth a cup. First of all, this guy's not a rank amateur. He may have been new to electoral politics. This is not a rank amateur. And um, the idea that the I mean, media... It's like a big that, deal about him being an amateur look, and not knowing anything. Look, the idea that the media... Let me just rant for one second. The idea that the media right. did not put Donald Trump in front of people... They may not have said, we think he's a great guy because for the most part, most of the media doesn't say it one way or the other, but the, <laughs> I heard more Donald Trump speeches, sayings interview, than I, I heard of any candidate ever. And he yeah, was tons of, air. tons of air. So this idea, Oh, just a little rank amateur, just dollars. a little startup without the Lord God's hand on his back. He never would have gotten here. I mean, seriously that look that I just think that storyline that doesn't carry water. That that storyline uh, just just is, is contrary to the facts, um, but th- the notion that there was a protest vote going on is interesting to me. In our final minutes, I I just want to ask you: Did you think going in to the morning of November eighth, the dark day in our country, did you think Donald Trump would win? Yes. Without, with honestly, and it was weird because I'm sitting, you know, I'm in, I'm, I'm in my bed at two in the morning. I got a buddy who's standing behind Donald Trump in the war room, texting me pictures and videos while the election's being called. Right, I have that record on my phone. I'm getting a live feed right there from that event, and I'm a reasonable person. I'm not a crazy person. Um, I, I just, I felt it, and. You know, and I'm not saying that makes me better or smarter. No, I'll tell you, it just makes, I guess it just makes me somehow uh, feel slight bit better that on that night at two in the morning, someone I know was like, that's what fulfillment looks like, right? Because I was like, this is what the end, the beginning of the end looks like. And now... This, I mean, I saw you saw that as in, in, saying, in our in our in our, <laughs> in our Christian uh, tradition. You saw that as Sunday morning, and I saw that as Friday at noon. And yeah. um, I mean, I saw the hurricane hitting and the damage that was coming, and you saw it as um, the 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 relief effort was rolling in. So, if nothing else, it's good that someone that I know. Uh, hasn't been in the kind of anguish that uh, that I have been in over these over these well, weeks. Well, I, I I genuinely feel for you. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, you had to live through eight years of Obama and must have had a glimmer of the thought that you were going to have to call Hillary Clinton your president. Um, yeah, and can't it, imagine it's that more was than easy. that. Like I I really do care that people's hearts are divided and that people are in pain, and I don't I don't know what the solutions are, um, and I'm not I. This is my last point. I just want to make this one point. Um, I I think that a lot of people can fall into the trap 
that it's the American government that is going to fix our nation. Uh, and that it's the person that gets elected as the great hope for the turning of the tide. Um, I think that the church universal needs to get back engaged. And it's one of the things that I love about this election is that both sides are back engaged. And if we can figure out how to talk to each other and work through these massive differences, this engagement will actually find a solution. Because I don't know what it is, but I know that we're not going to find it by hating and sitting things out. Yeah, Um, thank you. And I think we got a real shot at it. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I agree. I I think that's... um, there's been a lot of disengagement and there's been a lot of othering and it's gotten darker. Um, though yeah. that, that, that dark hole over the last 10 months, it, there's no doubt in my mind that more people feel more afraid. Like if uh, a number of people I know are from communities where they've said, yeah, I never thought the government was going to be our solution. I, I've always felt like it ignores or it's a pressure point or it's a problem. Uh, that's very much the sense that a lot of people have now that there's a lot of vulnerable people who are at great risk. And um, I'm not sure that uh, another Republican president wouldn't have also passed legislation that would have caused damage to people that I think so many Republican and conservative ideas do. Um, So I'd like to talk about that in some coming weeks. But Donald Trump's particular... We don't in this country, we we're not a parliament system, so we don't just elect a party with theories and ideas and positions. We elect people and it's a representative form of government. And we elected a person to do a particular thing. And that person's effect is awfully, awfully powerful, it seems to me. And uh, that particular damage that I think is being done. Um, is something I'd love to pick up on next week. So uh, just a note to people who've uh, hung with us or are listening in. If you have questions, ideas, concepts, input on all of this, any way you know how to contact me, you can do that. You can send in any of those means. Uh, If you're new to all this and you want to put it on the Facebook page, pages where you're seeing this, that's a fair place. Uh, Adam, you have it on your page. Uh, I have it on a page and a profile. You can do it in those places. And uh, we may come up with a more uh, centralized way for you to do that in the future. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. So, so we're going to be back next week on a Thursday night at nine o'clock. And uh, we're going to tighten up the topics going from Trump's uh, policies, what he's talking about, what he, what he was talking about and what he's currently doing now. And that'll be part of the makeup. So Adam, thank you so much. Uh, I really yeah, appreciate you. I really appreciate your willingness to be open and vulnerable and to share uh, what you know about all these things and, uh, and your, your own experience as well. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's helped me. So I, I will, I will check in with you next week and see if I've, see if I've uh, heard you right and have metabolized, uh, your, your ideas. So thanks. Very good. I appreciate it, Doug. Good night.